Speed. 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 Speed Cafe. Speedcafe.com. Your daily racing fix. Check it out. Speed Cafe. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Speed Cafe podcast. I'm Damien Smite. Great to be with you after a busy and controversial round seven of supercars at Sydney Motorsport Park under lights. A win from Brody Kostecki, a win from Shane Van Giesbergen and Kostecki back in the lead of the championship. And our special guest today had a little bit of a hand in that man at the front of the standings at the moment. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But how can we talk about last weekend without mentioning the name Oscar Piastri? His first F1 podium at Spa. Yes, it wasn't the Grand Prix, but what a stunning effort to qualify behind Max Verstappen and convert that into a podium in the sprint race. What an awesome effort from the Australian. Unfortunately, the Grand Prix not going as well, becoming a bit of a sandwich between Carlos Sainz and the first turn at Spa, meaning the 81 McLaren was parked just metres into this year's Grand Prix. But still a fantastic effort. And of course, Jack Dewan, his first F2 win. What a stunning comeback from the Aussie end. Christian Mansell too, making it F1, F2 and F3 glory across australia what a what a what a unique time what a rare occasion that we can talk about that but before we do that i just got to talk about the other end of the scale and thank race fields for the grassroots podcast hosted by gary o'brien and darren smith now that's the other of our three speed cafe podcasts and of course there's the pit talk podcast for all your formula one needs but gary o'brien and darren smith gob as we call gary joining the speed cafe team Earlier this year, a lot of goodwill for Gary. He's been around for quite a while. I don't think he'll mind me saying that, but most of you will know who he is if you're into grassroots motorsport and a podcast that celebrates grassroots entry-level motorsport, which is, is is the bread and butter of Australian motorsport. And speaking of bread and butter of Australian motorsport, our special guest today, as I mentioned, uh, has had a hand in the careers of many supercars drivers and, of course, was a supercars driver himself. And that man I'm talking about, is Paul Morris. Welcome, Paul. Paul Morris. Paul, welcome to the Speak Cafe podcast. Oh, I feel very honoured, mate, to be following up Ryan's story. Oh, mate, he was on there precursor to you. He was a warm-up. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, great to have you, have you, Paul, and, and thanks thanks for your time. Um, kind of before we get into things, uh, all things supercars, uh, lots to talk about, Um What's the average day of Paul Morris in 2023 look like, though? Because you've got so many fingers in so many pies and bits and pieces going on. What What's a normal day for you these days? Uh, yeah, normal days. Um, based myself out of Norwell, so my office is here. Uh, our other businesses also have a, a head office in Narang as well, where we. Um, so it's on the way. So if I need yep. to go in there, I can. But try and run most of my stuff out of, out of Norwell and. It's it's good. Like right now, I can look out the window and, and see the track, so I can see what's going on. Um, nice. And if I get the itch, I can go and lay some laps down, which is always pretty good. <laughs> so how, how often do you do that? How often do you get um, to do Yeah, sometimes I go a couple of weeks without getting in a car, but this week we've had a lot of driver coaching on, so I try and run some laps with everyone that comes here anyway um, just to see where they're at and... and um, we keep a pretty good record of where, where everyone is. So I'd really like to be across that and, and help develop the programs that they need, then just just get them going in the right directions. And how long have you been at Norwell now? It's been a while. Uh, so I first come here in 1991 
Oh, right. Um, yeah, Carmen did the um, instructors course here when Frank Gardner was was here, and then obviously in 1992 I started driving for Frank. Yes, a junior yeah. driver with BMW, and the the race team was based out of here, and then um, that's when I really got into the driver training side of stuff. He basically insisted that I I did that. Um, so that's that's how long I've been around this place. And that's quite interesting because that's something that you're still heavily involved in, obviously. Um, so going back all that time. Um, before we get into some of the supercar stuff, I'll, I'll start with the easy one for you. Uh, Nash on the weekend. We've just come off the Sydney Motorsport Park round. His his Porsche drive, two victories. Uh, did you expect that? What's 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 been the feeling after after Nash's drives at Sydney Motorsport Park? Um, yeah. So to put it into context, uh, Rob Woods, uh, Tech TechWork said, hey, "I just want to give him a test in the Porsche," which he did. And when he tested, he was quite quick. Then he said, "Oh, let's go racing." So <laughs> I expected him from the speed at the test to to have speed, but. Um, his ability to his racecraft was what stood out to me. So mm. I thought that was that was pretty good. And what yeah. what's it like with Nash? He's doing TA two. He's in Super two. He's done some. He's had a couple of clean sweeps in TA two. Um, as a father, uh, a second generation racer, do you do you tell him he's great and give him a big head? And he'll probably listen to this. So, but do do you tell him he's great or do you keep him grounded or what's what's your approach with with Nash and making sure? You, He's the best driver he can be. Um, it's it's pretty much same as all the other other kids, but I I reckon being related to him, sometimes I just completely mess the thing up because I get too emotional. You know, you <laughs> you're worried something's going to go wrong. So on the weekend, that was the first time I really just stood back. You know, I had Luke Yulden there and Rob there and everyone for the things. So I just sat in the background and really tried not to get involved and. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the secret to it. Maybe I need to, need to not be not be there, but um, he definitely stepped up. I think a little bit even playing field as well. Like everyone's got the same jigger with the Porsche, so yeah. yeah. Super Two is very engineering focused, and you know probably guilty of not really giving him the best best car there. Right. It, it was it hard to not get involved on the weekend. Like, did you have to stop yourself? Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Rob had to give me a tune up on on P one because the transponder wasn't working, and I shot down there and started blowing up. And he's he's like, "Get in the corner, stupid!" So, yeah. <laughs> but, hey, look, I was I was pretty lucky. I had someone like Luke Gilden there. That's uh, I could with those guys there. I could just switch off and enjoy the race. It was good. Yeah, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Um, obviously, uh, on the weekend, uh, quite an interesting weekend on and off track, but. From your viewpoint as a uh, ex supercars racer yourself and Supertura as well, what are your thoughts on the season so far and the arrival of Gen Three into the category? What's your overall? There's been a lot of controversy and there's a lot of um, you know parody talk, of course. Um, how have you seen it so far? Yeah, I think you you know you'd have to be Stevie Wonder to not realise that the Ford isn't up to the program, and there's you can't have that many of them that far off the pace, you know, that, that's, there's definitely a trend there. So th that's an issue. I think the way that gets handled by supercars with Rushbrook coming out in the press and saying he's got a problem, like how they let that blow up publicly is just amazes me that how 
you could run a business and and have one of your major partners just washing their laundry in public. I just that's in disbelief. So they've got some issues there. Um, do you think, Paul, that that's Rushbrook was forced to do that? That like he he might have he might have felt that's his only option to go public. He might have because Ford's Ford's as a company. Ford's been, well, I think well. You try all you try all options, and when that doesn't work, Go what's the next thing? What what what? To me, that'd be a last resort. I'm not mm. sure if that's his management style, just to to be to lob that in. But I wouldn't think that'd be his first option. Yeah. And the the thing that he always goes back to is uh, NASCAR, and the, the the SMT data is available to everyone. So what he's saying there is the teams and the manufacturers and NASCAR have what data they have on those cars, which is um, mainly engine-related stuff, not chassis-related stuff, is available for everyone to look at. And I think the NASCAR model is um, let everyone self-police by giving everyone the data. So when you look at what he's saying, he, he's he's like, give us the data and let us work out the problem, which might be might be an idea, you know. If you get everyone looking at stuff, you, you're going to get a mm. better look at it. But if they're not showing him, what are they hiding? Yeah, and and he's 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 been very careful. It seems in interviews we've had with Rushbrook, he's been very careful to. He's basically said we don't understand the problem. We know there is a problem, but we don't understand. Um, and it's he seems to be more critical of the process rather than yeah, and and outright saying what the problem is because he essentially doesn't know. So, yeah. and this is I mean we in twenty nineteen we had it the other way with the Gen two Mustang. Um, going back years, now you raced a VP Diet Coke Commodore. Yeah. I remember vaguely the winglets on an e, EB, or was it technically ED by then? EB, they little. There's been parody yeah. issues for for years and years. But does this is this any? How do you see this uh, compared to other parody debates? Is is this one particularly different? Is it uh, is it playing out more in public, or is there more at stake, or? What do you think is driving the fact that there's a lot, seems to be a lot more parody controversy these days? Um, well, I think obviously they've done, haven't done a good enough job with, with working it out. So when you go back to the history of all this stuff and how supercars run, the, the, the teams had a lot of involvement. You know, they had ownership in the championship. They basically sat on the board. They were involved in all this process. And I think now they're really removed from that a lot. And, relying on supercars technical department to do that job. And um, I think the teams are more resourced than the, than the policemen, you know? So that's, <laughs> that's sort of what it looks like. And the, when I was on the board with supercars you, and the mentality was everyone had the same sort of feeling, you race, race the shit out of each other, but you still need to race. You still need each other to survive. I mean, you, you can't have, you can't have one mate dominating so much and still think you're going to have people watching, you know? That's, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't think if you had a Larry Perkins or Ross Stone or, and Roland to a point on the board and run how that business used to be run, that you'd be having this problem that would have been sorted. Right. Wow. Okay. It's a bold statement. I'm glad, I'm glad you've, uh, glad we've got you on. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Do you see a solution then? I mean, we don't know all the details either, but what what would you do if you were supercars right now? I'd, I'd give that data out to as many people as they could and try and resolve the problem. Mm. 
within Teamland or Ford or, or whatever. I, you know, obviously, the system they're working and they're relying on on who who their consultants are to, to try and work it out. But it's it's either they know what the problem is and don't want to admit it, or they don't know what the problem is and they need to find out what it is. But yeah, it's 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 clearly clearly it's a it's a Chevrolet dominated championship, and the, yeah. the the drivers and teams can't all be bad, you know. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That also brings me to manufacturers. I mean, Ford, GM's a relatively small, uh, obviously GM's not a small company, um, but in Australia, GM's presence and GM's input into the sport isn't as big and significant as Ford. So uh, do supercars need to look after Ford and do supercars need either more manufacturers or need to rely on manufacturers? Do you think Do you think they're missing an opportunity with Ford here? They're scaring other manufacturers away or... What do you reckon? Uh, I think it's going to get to the point where that championship has to survive without manufacturer backing. Right. You know, that That's what I think. You, you, what What are those cars going to look like in the future? Hey, you just might end up with a generic body shape that mightn't be anything yeah. and, and, and race that. It's got to be the entertainment value. Um, look, we, one of the best racing you see around, sprint car racing, and they're not, not anything. So... Mm. That's true. Uh, that'll be the big question going forward. You know, how do you deal with the, with the OEMs? Is their relevance going to be in the sport? Do you still need their money to 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 run those cars? That's the that's the big question. But for me, I'd be trying to future proof that championship by not being heavily involved on 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 them. And when you look at it, there's probably only a couple of teams getting any real money from it from any OEMs and the, and the other guys might get a few road cars off some dealers or stuff. So it's one or two teams that are benefiting and what has anyone added up what the tr- true input of that co- uh, value is to the championship? So yeah, that's that's the big question moving forward. Yeah. There are enough people come through the gate and turn the TV on, you, you probably don't need them. Yeah. Ford, obviously, with Mustang being global, is very invested in what's happening with their their nameplate at the moment. So um, it sounds like an easy, uh, easy kind of, that'd be, you know, like a utopia of some sort where we don't have this stuff happening. But, um, yeah, I mean, people love to get behind the Holden and Ford story, obviously. The Holden and Ford battles are tribal. It is, uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's... And, and I mean, you would have some of the stuff going from Group A to um, to supercars, uh, going to Commodore and Falcon and giving up M3s and GTRs and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that that breeding that tribalism it's 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 important to a lot of people. But um, yeah, with it, without a manufacturer, it's um, yeah, it could be a completely different ball game. So. Yeah, and but people will go to motorsport events without any of that. If you go to Time Attack or you go out to um, Top Fuelers, top, yeah, uh, any sort of motorsport event at, at QR, there's there's something on every weekend. You know, that there's there's more people yeah. going to that than there is watching supercars. So <laughs> the um, yeah. the culture of of uh, of Motor motorsport in Australia is huge, and there's a lot of people doing that outside the supercar realm. Mm, ab- absolutely. Um, the crowd at Sydney seemed okay. Um, the weather was very good, uh, which is nice. The under lights I thought was really cool. 
It was um, a good drive under lights. Yeah, the, the cars looked good, and uh, it just it, it did have a special feel. Um, uh, and I'm not paid to say that, so. <laughs> no, I, I I felt like I was at something special when I was there. I was like, this is cool. Was 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 pretty good. I got up on the roof there with all the crowd and had a look around, and it was good to see. Yeah, um, and obviously, uh, Brody, you must be immensely proud of Brody and the season he's had so far. Yeah, I think uh, when Gen Three come out, I just when when you know Brody, you know how he operates. Um, that he was always going to do well in that car. You know, he's he likes to engineer as much as he he uh, likes likes to drive. Um, so he was. He was going to be the, the driver that is a bit old school, you know. If you cut all the data off, got the side cutters out and just cut all the data off that car <laughs> and had no no data like we used to have, Brody would probably lap the field, you know. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You know, he can get he could he could pull that car apart and put it back together again and and service the shocks, you know. It's he, he's got that ability. So that and I think his understanding of how that car needs to work, like he he will jump out of the car and go, okay, I need I need to fix that, and point the engineer to to the direction of where he thinks it is. And the good thing about it, Will Brown's been able to you know sit in his wake and and follow and 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 take what Brody does and and use it for himself. So I think that's why they're going really well. Those guys. Yeah, Barry Ryan did say to us earlier in the year. Um regarding Shane that uh Brody and Will have learned to drive like Shane. They get the elbows out, you know, they they're they're aggressive. Um and and that's been part of it. So that knowledge and that race craft coming together. Um <clears throat> yeah, it's it's been a, a very interesting year. I, I still wonder if I still think Shane can win the title. Do you think Brody will hold on? Shane seems to be coming, basically. Not as dominant as last year, obviously, but I still sit here going, okay, he's not done yet. Even though a few races ago, handling problems in Darwin and bits and pieces like that, you start to go, oh, is his championship falling apart? But he's still there. Oh, he's definitely still there. And he'd be in front if he didn't get his what happened in, in Newcastle. So, yeah, he he's not going to go away. I think the key to this championship is going to be the Enduros. You're going to have co-drivers that aren't for really familiar with those cars. I think Jamie Wincup's the. If I was Brock Fenia, I knew I had Jamie Wincup coming to be my my co-driver. I'd I'd be thinking that's that's pretty good coming Giro time. You know that's that's something that that's pretty cool. Yeah. Why do you, why do you point it? I mean, obviously we know Jamie is statistically statistically uh, the most successful driver. Uh, in supercars history, is that actually correct? Do I have that right? Yeah. Um, we 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 know how good he is. Um, and Shane's got Stanaway. Uh, so yeah, and and obviously, uh, Brody, uh, Brody's got Russell, and yeah, D Russell, D Russell be be solid. Yep, he's versatile as well. He's fast. Anything Dave Russell drives, he's fast in. So it de definitely. Definitely one of the guys to have. And then you've got Jack Perkins with Will Brown. Yep. So those guys up the top, those four cars, enduro-wise, 
I mean, the you, the wing cup on paper, the wing cup SV uh, wing cup Feeney combination is it's pretty supreme. Yeah. So it'll uh, be interesting to watch who who comes out. Yeah, who's fast in the, in the new car? But um, yeah, I I, I think wing cup is going to be the guy. Right, wing cup the key, wing cup yeah. the key. So it's going to be your co-driver, and there's a lot of points up for grabs. Yeah. So, um, speaking of SVG, you had a role in his his NASCAR day. Yep. Tell us, tell us uh, your involvement in that and how that happened, and also this upcoming race in Indianapolis with Brody and SVG. What you what your thoughts are on that as well? Yeah, well, the SVG thing was uh, just he called me and said, "Hey, I want to try and get in um, in Justin Mark's car for for that." For that race, do you reckon you could you got any contacts there? I said, Yeah. So then I just called Boris and said, What do you reckon? He said, Hang on, I'll get Justin on the phone. And then, <laughs> <laughs> then he went, Yeah, he's on his list. And then uh just gave yeah. his number to Justin and obviously that and it worked out. So it was it was that simple. But I, I think it um you know, have you got like Boris is held in very high regard over there, so there's not many people he can't make a phone call to and they'll pick up the phone. And um, I've been there where he's dialed Roger Penske straight up and he's picked up the phone. So Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, that's how that's how it happened. That it, it does sound really easy. They obviously knew who Shane was. Yeah, I think Justin does. Justin Marks, obviously he yeah, but a lot of the other other guys had no idea. They, they yep. were like had no idea what was going to happen. That was that was that was pretty interesting. That that makes that victory for Shane all the more sweeter. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> I think the thing to remember that road course. If, if you ever watch Cup guys on a normal road course, they don't stay on the track, right? The 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 the, the track limits are just exploited everywhere. They'll run off. They'll come back on. They don't lift. This is the first time they've been put on a road course where they have to be confined within the boundaries. Mm. And that's why Shane was so good because he could take the car right to the limit, not overstep it. So that'll be interesting. Come, come, come the race at India's. You know, how how much do they police the the, the track track limits? Um, Shane's definitely got to be more precise than them. Um, and the other big thing for him and Brody is just whether they get wasted or not. You know? Yeah, yeah. Whether they're used as a braking marker. Yeah, and I, look, if you saw the way. Shane ran that race, and I think when he went P1 in practice, he backed it down a bit. He he went, I'm not going to go too fast here. <laughs> and good. then when he raced everyone, he just was letting them go. He, he managed – the only way he was going to win that race is not to get taken out. So he managed how he dealt with all the other drivers and where he passed them, he passed them in a way and it, that they couldn't retaliate. So it was very calculated. Yeah. Put himself in the position where he couldn't get taken out. And speaking of those, what were your thoughts on the penalty that Shane was given on Saturday night with Will Brown for the? Well, yeah, if you go strictly by the rule book, you you got to cop it, right? Because, um, but but I, I think a couple of things there. You have to go back to um, Wanneroo where Shane loosened Brody up. They went through the next corner, which allowed him to get a get a look at him. Okay, 
Um, I don't think that's what Barry and was trying to get a clarification on in, at, at Wanneroo was, you know, Shane obviously hit the back of Brody, but mm. it was the corner before. And when they get to the next corner, it was like, okay, reset. There's no foul from that. And he, but if he hadn't loosened him up the corner before, he wouldn't have got a run on him. Yes. So if you look at that thing at the hairpin, he's come in and Will's obviously just sat it on the bottom and jacked him up. And Shane's got into the back of him thinking, I'm going to get a run on him. And when I've got to the next corner, uh, Will's just lifted and effectively made Shane pass him. So he, for me, he's drawn the penalty. It's a bit yeah. like a soccer player taking a dive, you know. If they had gone side by side for the next corner, the, the penalty clock would have reset and it would have been game on again, but he wouldn't have been able to get this beside him. So I, I think Erebus had just, just played it pretty smart and gone, if you want to hit me, I'm going to make you pass me and I'm going to give you a penalty. But we don't want to see racing like that, do we? Yeah, it reminds me of um, Townsville last year when Anton had a go at Cracker. Very similar. Yeah, yeah. And Shane yeah. Didn't, didn't. Shane made sure he got the penalty, which I yeah. very. Yeah, so that's... And then Barry obviously put a bit of mayonnaise on the sandwich by pointing it out. <laughs> so, <laughs> really, but it would have been good. Good to see what decision they would have made. Like, and Will did say on the radio, "I'm just going to let him go." Well, if he's let him go, has he has mm. he had an advantage? You know, it's it's mm. a, it's a difficult one. But you just want to see the guys race. You know, race hard, race. If you're going to block someone at the two corners from home, you 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 know you're going to get a nudge. Yeah. What do you teach young guys then um, in your talent whispering, if I can call it that? Uh, I mean, if so, if you unsettle someone in a corner, like, uh, and, and to upset them, is that could we have arguments with that at Speed Cafe between us? Um, some of us think that's fine. Uh, I don't know if it is, but that unbalancing, unsettling the car mid corner so you can get a run on it. Yeah. Is that, is that fair? In- um, yeah, I think it is. It depends how bad, bad you're getting blocked. If someone's, if you've caught someone and they start going defensive, and you start getting held up over a half a second to a second a lap, you've got to move them and get going. You know, you can't put up with that. So <laughs> um, you, you've got to have a go. But the it depends where you are in the race too. You know, if you're any further back than 10th, and this is even into 86s or XL racing, you can get away with a lot of shit, right? You can... Yeah. But as soon as you get up the front, you better tidy, better be a bit cleaner. So that that happens in in racing all the time, and yeah, we openly talk about that. Like, mm. be, be careful where you are, and it, and if you've got an in car camera in your car, you definitely don't want to do it. Yeah, if you're not on TV, yeah, not on TV, it's mm. you probably get away with a bit more. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think about? Also, we heard Cam Waters on the radio, um, and in the press conference for that race. Chas Mostert said, uh, you know, sports people in the heat of the moment, you know, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be, you know, some people have said, yeah, they should have, supercars maybe could have handled that with a dump button like on radio with Cam's swearing, but, you know, that's... Well, they probably could have, mate, but they didn't, and they probably didn't for a reason because we're still talking about it, so... 100%, 100%. Yeah. But, but is that, should we, is it unfair to... Is it unfair to basically point out 
that kind of stuff or you know are they should should we back off that kind of stuff i mean f1 radio why is formula one so popular if you look at their social media and the way they package that they go for everyone's radio and every bit of drama or stuff they, they repackage that and send that out and nascar yeah. do, do the same so that you know that's that's it's live theater yeah and um you know are you going to offend some people yeah well they can they can not watch if they don't want it or <laughs> they can say it was was uncalled for but i i thought it was good he, he showed his emotion he he, point, he pointed out some good points so yeah. it's um yeah, and it's it's funny that you and you mentioned F one. It was the weekend. Max Verstappen had a blow up at his engineer, as well. Yeah, it was okay. then and then during the race, Max was being a bit cheeky at Spa. Um, you know, wanting to wanting to do a wanting to get the gap on Perez while he was leading the Red Bulls a one two Verstappen and Perez, basically teasing, going, "Yeah, okay, I'll get a pit stop gap ahead of Perez, so I can come in. We'll do the pit stop, and I'll get fastest lap." And his engineer is basically saying no. And he's saying, you know, uh, pit stop practice. He's been a complete, <laughs> complete smart ass. Um, but all that on TV. And then, um, yeah, as, as we ran, uh, there were suggestions that it was contrived. Um, but obviously Red Bull denied that. But, yeah, I mean, and and there's things in F1 too, like Lewis Hamilton fans to balance the max stuff out, you know, hammer time and the joke that Bono, my tyres are gone and then Hamilton will set fastest lap. So, you know, all their radio codes. So, but yeah, that that heat of the moment, that drama, um, it was a pretty raw moment from Cam. Um, and, yeah, we we couldn't get in to have a chat with 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 Cam or Tim Edwards after that race. We obviously did the next day, no problem. But, um, yeah, that, yeah, that... I was surprised at that penalty because you've basically got a guy who's about to come third and where was Brock running at that time? 12th or something. Yeah, I'd have Did to be frank, but yeah. Yeah, so so he, mix. You know, Brock's checked up, but how hard did he really check up? Didn't look like he lost too much time. Was there any contact? Was anyone unsafe? You know, normally, normally, you, like supercars need someone in race control that's at least got a little bit of commercial reality going on, you know? That's maybe that should have been looked at later. Like we needed that car on the podium for a lot, for a lot of reasons. I wondered the same thing. It was a Ford on the podium. Yeah, that that would have been. I mean, we did we did get one. Um, we got a couple actually. Uh, but yeah, I wondered that at the time as well. Would it have been better to let that go? But also, well, I, the only thing I think they looked at was how hard Brock had to break. Yes, yes. But we all know. In that situation, you always make it look worse than it is. You, you, <laughs> you overplay it, so you really wouldn't know. Do you had a look at Brock's in-car camera or how actually how much he did actually get held up? Did he need to break that hard? There was probably enough doubt there to to kick that down the road a bit. But you know, you used to have the DSO Craig Baird work for Supercars, and now he works for Motorsport Australia. So. I always liked it when you had someone that in, and the reason that role was always there was to, you know, stop Motorsport Australia doing dumb stuff. But now you've got the that guy working for Motorsport Australia. Where's his allegiance? You know, you yeah. you need someone in someone in there going with a bit of logic sometimes. So Craig Bed doesn't have to listen to supercars, basically. 
in because I, he's motorsport. I don't know. Motorsport Australia is mm-hmm. on he's on their payroll now. They've moved that role to them. So Yeah. What where where's his where's his allegiance to to the drivers, the teams, the the show, or is it now a strictly ju- judicial role? So Yeah. Be worth be, be a good one to ask him. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um he'll give you the right answer. He won't shy away from it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to also ask you about this, your reputation as a talent whisperer. So Brody, um, Anton, um, <clears throat> countless drivers. How did that kind of come about? How did, like, did, is that something you, the driver training, that kind of stuff, did you cultivate that or did you, how have you amassed this reputation? Because you are the guru when it comes to, so um, when talking to Ryan's story, you know, Kyle, yeah. he, he said Kyle Allen came with your recommendation and when Paul Morris tells you someone's fast, they're fast. They're good. Yeah, I, I suppose you really couldn't do what I do without this facility here at Norwell because it allows you to actually get in a car with someone and see how they operate. Um, so that's that's a big, big key to it. And... Over the years, I've seen that many drivers and sat with that many people. Um, I've just done it a lot, and I can see it straight away. Yeah, you can. You can. Those key things that you look for stand out to me, and it's not by looking at data. It's not by watching them on TV. It's actually being in the car with them, where you can actually notice this what 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 um, what they do, but. Not everyone does everything right too, so it allows you to actually coach them and and get the most out of them as well. Can you share some of those things? What are you, what are you looking for, or what is what does a Brody do that um, perhaps I wouldn't? Um, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, to have a yeah it's a, it's a really good question, and and to me, it's uh, a good driver doesn't use their hands much. Their feet do most of the work, so it's your footwork that. You really only need to use your hands if you've messed your footwork up, you know. So if you've got on a throttle too hard or brake too hard and done something wrong, you need your hands to catch it. So if you look at someone's in-car, say, like Shane Van Gisbergen, he's very smooth with his hands, but he's done all the work with his feet. So you can't see that on data. It's something you've got to look at. So that's basically where you look to see see what sort of feel they have with their feet. You can feel a lot. You can feel the tyre. You can feel all the suspension movement. You can feel throttle inputs. That's that's where you start looking. And what about in cars? So if someone's in an 86, they've got an H-pattern manual gearbox. Yep. Supercars, you've still got a clutch. What if it's a, you know, a, a, a car, a two-pedal car, a, a yep. pedal shift car? Is that Does that make it harder to judge them? Or what do you, what do, you do in that kind of... No, it's it's still similar stuff too. It's yep. you know, a lot of people are robotic with their footwork. It's either on or off, and they don't realise that you can vary the speed of your transfer or or what and different things. So um, yeah, it doesn't really matter what the car. Obviously, when you bring the clutching and a manual gearbox into into play, it adds a couple of more variables, which uh, some of that is is good with their footwork. Does even better, but. Um, you, you can teach someone that. Like I've had a couple of high-level go-kart people here this this week and someone who's, who's carted at a very high level 
if you get them before they drive anything else and get them straight off the bat and, and show them this, they, they adapt very quickly. So that'd be, if you look at Kai Allen or Brock Feeney, for example, like Brock came here and he'd never driven a manual car. Yeah. Within that first afternoon with him, he was banging around doing the same lap times as us. And Kai was very wow. similar as well. So, yeah, if you, if you get them young enough and they don't go off down the road and start trying to work it out themselves and show them, hey, get this bit right first, that it cuts the learning down a lot. Better do that than try and re rehabilitate them later. Yeah, that's amazing. And, yeah, that um, I know with SVG's uh, NASCAR, uh, the foot cam was a big talking point for the Americans as well. So... Yeah. Do do the other thing with Gen Three. Interesting thing is, um, there are drivers who were left foot breakers. I know Fabian Coulthard's a left foot breaker. Um, Stanaway's a left foot breaker. There was some issues with um, left foot braking in that. Do you, if you have to teach someone so a go karter from scratch, do you teach them the left foot brake or right foot brake? Uh, right foot. Yeah. Yeah. Right foot brake. And what's what? Why why is right foot superior to left? Um, it's basically if you can understand that the clutch is another another tool for you to use to to control the car, and that you know you might and how you release the clutch, whether it's aggressively, whether it's smoothly, it it, it's, it stops the car the rear tires getting loaded under down changes. If you get a bit hot into the corner and you want a bit more rotation, you can use the compression of the engine to rotate the car. There's a lot you can do with the clutch. You know, once you have a full understanding of all the other controls and you're not using all your brain space to to do that, there's this whole other world opens up with the clutch pedal. <laughs> so, and the good guys will exploit that. I know plenty of people who are scared of that world, scared yeah. of clutch pedals. Most, yeah. most people these days who aren't racing drivers. Yeah, it's, it's a lost art, right? And not many people are, are doing it. It's probably something that really only happens down here. And, and down under and when you go to the US and you, you've got that up your sleeve it's 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 worth lap time mm. is that and what what else do you think and tell me if this verges on tuition and we have to charge our listeners for this podcast um is that you mentioned SVG with the the track limits and that sort of thing um those skill sets what is it about supercars then that makes these guys Brody and 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 Shane should be so competitive in NASCAR? What is it about NASCAR that is it the similarity in the cars as well, or what what do you think makes them? Is it just their fast drivers? They're fast. We know Shane's fast in anything, and Brody by the looks of it too. Yeah, it's well, it's 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 the environment we grew up in. I think lots of lots of what they call road racing, street tracks, they do predominantly ovals. They don't haven't really focused on exploiting the driving technique of, of how to had a right foot brake and heel toe. Something they've never looked at. So um and we do it all the time. We've been doing it forever. And you get guys like Scotty McLaughlin and Shane and Jamie Winkup and all those people and now Brody and Anton, you get all those guys pushing each other along, you just get better and better at it. Someone's got to keep finding the edge. So that's that's what happens. Yeah. It's not going to get anyone 
in the world that's going to drive a touring car or a sedan-based car that you still got to use the gearbox and, and use the clutch better than anyone else. It's, it's the perfect environment to to be the best at the world at it. Yep. Um, thanks very much for your time, Paul. I'm going to ask a tricky question um, because a lot of the guys in the field, you mentioned Brock, um, Anton, Brody, uh, who's your pick then? If the Enduro is the turning point for the championship, who's your pick? Can you can you choose someone, or is it too difficult? Um, who who's your pick for for Bathurst this year? I don't. You can pick it. Pick anyone on. Like if you, no one's no one's. Down. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Brock just because he's got Jamie. That yes. I was looking at on on paper. If the Enduros are, are there, that's yes. that's if I if I had to put my money anywhere, I'd say that that would be something that could be a big difference. Yep. Fantastic. Thank, thanks very much, Paul. Um, really insightful, really interesting discussion. Uh, I love the I love the the breaking the footwork talk. That's that's fantastic. That's something that you can't talk to many people about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So more, and more people are understanding it, and it's with Shane doing what he did. It, it's actually highlighted it a lot. So I think it's pretty cool. So, Paul, yeah, fantastic. So there's your pick, Jamie Winkup and Brock Feeney for this year's Bathurst. Now, if that happens, you heard it here first. Um, Paul, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, thanks for joining us from Norwell, and uh, we'll catch up you at a race with you at a racetrack soon. Yeah, appreciate it, and um, thanks for what you do for motorsport. It's good. We've got great independent journalism, and uh, keep it coming. Thank you. And there you have it, guys. The tip from the dude. For Bathurst 2023, Brock Feeney and Jamie Winkup, that combination. We'll see how that goes in October. Before then, though, we've got Tail and Ben coming up, uh, as well as, of course, the Sandown 500, the return of Sandown, which many people are happy about, especially co-drivers. But in the meantime, again, the Race Fuels Grassroots podcast. Uh, this weekend, there's a trophy series at Queensland Raceway. Um, so expect Gary O'Brien and Darren Smith to be all over that in next week's podcast. But, of course, on the weekend on speedcafe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You've just listened to a Speed Cafe Pod Hub production. 